The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the works of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. And that's uh, fascinating to me. Yeah. Welcome to a very special combined episode of Apologetics Profile and Good Heavens. I'm Watchman Staff Apologist Daniel Ray. So glad you could join us today in celebration of the 4th of July and in celebration of 2022 being the 50th anniversary of the Apollo 16 moon landing. We are featuring five episodes with a very special guest, retired Air Force Brigadier General and Apollo 16 moonwalking astronaut, Charlie Duke. Charlie is the youngest of all the 12 moonwalking astronauts and the 10th man to set foot on the lunar surface. In April of 1972, with his fellow astronaut and good friend, the late John Young, who passed away in 2018, Duke landed high atop the Descartes Highlands in the lunar lander Orion. This was the highest elevation moon landing of all the Apollo missions. Charlie shares with us everything from what it was like being Capcom of Houston for Apollo 11, what riding a Saturn V rocket felt like, the stark, surreal beauty of the lunar surface, and how the Lord Jesus Christ transformed him and his entire family. On part three, Charlie shares a remarkable story about a wedding ring floating in the heavens, reads some of his favorite psalms, and shares how Jesus transformed his wife Dottie and eventually himself. Ed White, um, the first American to walk in space, was uh, tragically, um, the, he passed away in the a tragic Apollo 1 fire in January of 67. He had a vision of taking the Bible to the moon, uh, I understand it, and uh, it was a pastor, a reverend friend of his, I think it was uh, John Stout, I think is his name, if I'm not correct, if I'm not mistaken, but um, the, the Bible made it to the moon in microfish, uh, as I understand it, uh, it was, yeah, was it on Apollo, Apollo 14, Ed Mitchell, wasn't it? He had yeah. it tucked away and, um, took it to the surface of the moon in yeah. microfish. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, do you, in, in, in thinking about this, I, I want to talk a little bit about, uh, an unusual experience that you had, uh, speaking of spacewalking, um, this takes us a little bit past your lunar experience, which we'll get back to you in a little bit. But I, I was, I love this story that you tell in your book. Um, are you the, are you the only Apollo during an Apollo to spacewalk with Ken? You and Ken, are, are, with the last three missions did that uh, Apollo okay. 15 at a spacewalk. We had one, and then um, 
and then finally Apollo 17. Gotcha. But uh, I want you to tell the story, uh, the, if you can remember the story that you tell in your book about uh, uh, you and Ken and what you saw out of the corner of your eye in, during your EVA. Well, uh, earlier in the mission, he had uh, lost his uh, wedding ring. Uh, not lost it, but it, it it had floated out of his storage area. And uh, so we looked for it. He, he couldn't find it. And it was in there somewhere, but we couldn't find it. So finally, about a week later, after this, after he misplaces it, uh, we're doing this spacewalk. And uh, so Ken, uh, he's outside now working on an experiment about 10 feet away from the spacecraft. And uh, his, his back is to me. And, and I'm watching through the hatch. And uh, I'm back in from the hatch about five or six feet and I'm just looking at it and all of a sudden I see this little gold glint and I look over and there's this one ring floating out the hatch there was still some outgassing of the vehicle so it was just flowing out moving very fairly slowly and it before I could reach it 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 went out it was outside and it was tumbling and pretty amazing to me. It was uh, the sun was glistening off of it, and uh, anyway, it floated out. His back was to me, and he was in the middle of this experiment. And I wasn't going to, hey Ken, turn around, grab your ring, you know that. Right, right. And uh, so uh, uh, it it floated out and hit and hit him on the back of the head. And uh, it, it, unusual, miraculous bounce. It took a 180 degree bounce and started back towards the hatch. Wow. It's really un, unusual. And so anyway, it floated, eventually floated back inside right in front of me and I grabbed it. And uh, so saved his wedding ring. Actually. That's amazing. That is such a cool story. And I was, as I was reading, I read that in church yesterday. I was reading it as, as church was going on in Sunday school um, during service. I, I read as I'm listening to the pastor sometimes, but I was preparing for our interview. So I was reading that section of the book and I'm thinking, well, this must be, he's, he must be telling the story because, because this is what his, this is what happened to him in his marriage. I thought, had, had you ever made the connection that that little incident was something like what was going to happen to you and Dottie, that your the, the your marriage seemed to be tumbling off in darkness, and you couldn't seem to do anything about it. But then, a miraculous one hundred and eighty, Dottie is changed by Jesus, and then the Lord gives her back to you, and you guys, yeah. uh, your your marriage is a hundred and eighty degree miraculously restored. Have you ever associated those two things before, sir? No, not really. No, that's that's a good observation, though. But I. I uh, that's the first time anybody's ever brought uh, the comparison in, into the story. Yeah, our marriage was uh, by 1975, uh, as we write in our book, was on the rocks. And uh, mm -hmm. uh, Dottie was despair, discouragement, thoughts of suicide. You know, if, if life is if life is so painful and there's no hope, why live any longer? Mm. And a lot of people uh, commit suicide because of that hopelessness. Yeah. And um, we, 
we knew about Jesus, but we didn't know Jesus. Hmm. You can go to church all your life and not become a believer. You just sit there and listen. Unless you receive Jesus into your heart as your Savior, then, then it's just words. And, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, as I, we relate in the book, uh, the our little Episcopal parish had a Faith Alive weekend where some people came and shared their faith. And they were uh, no evangelists or anything, just ordinary people, but they had a faith. A, a, a faith and a belief and a trust in Jesus that changed their life. And they, they expressed his love and joy and peace. And Dottie said after that weekend, she just said, you know, I've tried everything but Jesus. And so her prayer was, uh, if Lord, if you're real, I give you my life. If you're not real, I want to die. It took about two months for her to believe, uh, Jesus started answering little prayers and doing things, just sort of these coincidences began to happen in her life. Hmm. And uh, she realized uh, at that point, you know, there's too many coincidences here. Hmm. Jesus is real. He's intervening in my life. And, uh, and she made a total commitment to him. And, uh, and, uh, and that, and she, change from sadness to joy. She's got a little booklet called from sadness to joy. It's uh, basically her story out of the book in a little pamphlet. Mm. And so, uh, and so she, uh, uh, started and about that time we moved from Houston to New Braunfels where we live now. And I was starting a business. I'd left NASA. I'd retired from the space program and, doing my uh, military, finishing my military part-time. And, and, uh, and so for the next couple of years, uh, our marriage was really bad, lot so much better, but I'd really basically hadn't changed. It, she was the one that had changed and accepted me and loved me. And uh, really it was, it was like Jesus. God said, love your husband. And, uh, and respect your husband and she began to do all of these things and it was uh, amazing uh, mm. and so finally uh, two and a half years later uh, in April of 70 78 uh, uh, at a Bible study it, it all hit me and at that point and I realized that's I needed Jesus in my life too Dottie and I said, uh, you know, I really believe this. Something I'd been knowing about all my life. 
and now I'm 42 years old or whatever I was at the time. And I says, I believe. And I said, let Jesus come into my life. At that point, I experienced the peace of God for the very first time. Hmm. And it was a transcendent thing. This, this, this love and this peace just flowed into me and over me. And, uh, and I knew that I knew that I knew that I'd made the right decision. And, mm. uh, you just, God reveals himself in such ways as when you submit and say, Lord, come into my life. And that's all I said. I was, I didn't even repent. I didn't know, know what repentance was really, you know, mm. even though we were in a liturgical church and we confessed our sins every Sunday, it was just sort of a prayer out of the book. Yeah. You know, so you get, you just get rope at it, you know, right. right. You're not, you're not really naming your sins. You're just reading the verse out of the, the prayer out of the book. And, right. Uh, right. So it wasn't from the heart. Yeah. But over the next six months, uh, God started revealing the sin in my life and, uh, and, and I wanted to repent. And I did repent. And as we did, that changed our relationship with my wife. It changed my relationship with my kids. It changed my relationship uh, with, uh, uh, with money. Uh, mm-hmm. And just God just began to clean us up and uh, clean me up. And, and he, it was, it was a process of, of transformation. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, and, uh, the, the, uh, it, and I, and I, I was reading the Bible a, a lot then still read it, but, uh, uh, I mean, I didn't have a eight to five job there for about three or four months. And so I was just, I'd get up in the morning and, um, uh, I didn't have to go to the air force, uh, to, to work, uh, I just start reading the Bible. And the more I read the Bible, the more convicted I became. Mm. The Bible is no question in my mind. Now the Bible is the word of God. Yeah. And it, uh, it's the manifest. Somebody said it's God's is the manufacturer's handbook. And as, as we, as we start reading the manual and responding to the manual, it, uh, it changes us. You had mentioned some scriptures, and um, you you mentioned a couple of my favorite ones, but I didn't know if you had your your Bible handy. I would love to have you read from Psalm one forty seven. You quote that in your book, and because uh, it 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 spoke to me about my own life. It spoke to me about you and Dottie and your family. Um, it's Psalm one forty seven verses one through um, one through uh, five. Um, you'd mentioned one, Psalm one forty seven four, but it, there's a, a wonderful connection there with God numbering the stars. But just before that verse, he's talking about healing the brokenhearted and binding the wounds. So I would love to have you read the first four verses of the Psalms, just to let the Lord speak to to our audience and to to remind. Well, it start. I'm, this is New International Version. That's fine. Praise the Lord! How good it is to sing praises to our God! How pleasant that and fitting to praise him. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the exiles of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. 
He determines the number of the stars and calls them each by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. The Lord sustains the humble, but casts the wicked to the ground. That's fantastic. Uh, that's an amazing statement. That yeah. He numbers the stars and he calls them each by name. It's, it's the same kind of thing that uh, David, if you, if you uh, want to turn back to uh, Psalm 8, uh, the, you know that Psalm 8 the, uh, where David is contemplating creation. Um, I think it's Psalm, yeah, Psalm 8, 1 through 3. And this is the verse um, yeah. Buzz uh, took in his little suit pocket. He had this written down on a piece of scrap paper that I that I have a picture of. Um, this in a verse from John, but this was one of the verses that uh, I didn't know if you knew that that Buzz t- took some scripture with him in his suit pocket because he couldn't take a Bible. Uh-huh. Yeah, and, and Psalm eight was one of the ones that that he took. Um, but if you if you wanted to read uh, one through three or one through four, okay, yeah, one through four, yeah, yeah one through four. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. From the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise. Because of your enemies, to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place. What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. And that, that reminds me of, of your story, your, the God's mercy, mercy to you and Dottie and your boys, um, that God is, he, he redeems broken people. Um, and and I, I have to tell you personally, I resonate because my father, um, uh, when I was in high school, he suffered from depression and went through something like your wife, but he, he didn't survive. We didn't grow up in church. And so dad took his own life when I was 17. And so oh, I'm, I'm um, touched by your story and how God uh, reconciled you to, to your boys and, and to, to your wife. Um, and I know God has redeemed me. I had a, a lot of uh, sorrow growing up uh, without dad. Um, he would have been about your age um, today. Um, but my mom did the best she could to raise us. But uh, uh, God has always somehow through, through uh, my love of, of the heavens has reminded me of, of his love. Which yeah. is, which you know, his faithfulness, the, the cosmos, the heavens are like God's faithfulness. I mean, one of the reasons that we could go to the moon, because the moon is always, we can predict where the moon's going to be at what time, and we can aim at it. You know, it's not going to vary. Uh, the laws are, are fixed. So yeah. I, was, I was wondering now, if, at looking back 50 years, I know that this was fascinating to me, too, because you, you have shared many times, and you say in your book, you did not have a spiritual epiphany um, on the lunar surface. I mean, it was all wonderful and beautiful, and you, you talk and describe how hard it is to come up with words to describe what you saw. But you didn't have... Um, it, it was like what uh, uh, Nikita Khrushchev said that uh, Yuri Gagarin said, that when Yuri Gagarin came home, and this is what Khrushchev said, Yuri said, but I don't know. Uh, Khrushchev said that uh, he didn't see God in space. And uh, you didn't either, really. You really didn't have a, a come to Jesus moment on the moon. It was when you got back. But now, looking back, how do you see your lunar experiences uh, in terms of God's glory and, and your faith in Christ now? How, how, how has that enriched your ability to describe what you saw on the lunar surface? Uh, 
it has had a, a tremendous impact uh, to be able to uh, see the creation and see uh, the earth just hung in the blackness of space. Mm. None, uh, none of the pictures we take uh, capture the emotion uh, that one has when you you come around from the backside of the moon and they're, they're just suspended in space. And, uh, and, and, and in Job, I don't know exactly where in Job, but it, it says in Job, when God made the earth, he suspended it upon nothing. Yeah, yeah. Exactly what it looks like. Yeah. And uh, the, uh, in Isaiah, there's a verse that says, God sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. In, uh, in 10 days as most people see in 10 lifetimes and, and, and another psalm that I, I was really taken with is uh, 19th psalm yeah, yeah why didn't I forget that let's read that one that's a beautiful psalm I'll, I'll uh, let's and read long psalm but I, the, just the first couple of verses mean yeah you read what read whatever you'd like I love that's my favorite psalm too the heavens declare the glory of God the skies proclaim the works of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. And that's uh, fascinating to me. Yeah. 